I think in jazz, what is celebrated is the differences. It's like really convenient for a white person to take the the joy of the dance and not understand the suffering of the people who made mm. the dance. Welcome to Dance Specific Talks. This podcast is made for us dancers, and our goal here is to inspire dancers from all over the world to become better, both on and off the dance floor. We want to provide you with a platform where we dancers can share and learn from each other. So let me introduce to you your host for this podcast, Teaser, and remember as always, by dancers for dancers. What's up, party people, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite dance podcast, Dance Specific Talks, aiming to become the world's broadest dance podcast, giving you stories all the way from the States to Indonesia with different styles and amazing dance artists. Today, we are going all the way to France as we are meeting no one else than the Lindy Hop dancer, Alice May. What do you need to know about Alice? She found Lindy Hop in the age of 19 and has since then traveled the world in 30 plus countries teaching all over. This is an episode where I'm going to learn a lot about Lindy Hop as I know nothing about the style actually. So I am curious to bring you on a journey with me to learn about this style and how it is to be a French Lindy Hop dancer in today's society. So lean back, enjoy, plug in your headphones and now... Let's get it going. Welcome to this interview, Alice May. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so honored and so privileged to have you here on this podcast. As I mentioned before we jumped on this call, you are my first Lindy Hopper. And I'm so excited to finally talk with a dancer from the style because I have so many questions and I know a lot of people out there also have them. So First of all, where are you located in the world? I am located in France, in uh, Montpellier, in the south of France. And this is your hometown to where you grew up? Yeah, that's where I was born. That's where I grew up. And, and this is this where is we stay. Home. Yeah, beautiful. But your husband is American, if I'm not right? He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got married, uh, I think, about 10 years ago. Um, we met dancing and uh, yeah, he moved over here. So my English is not too bad for a French person. <laughs> I, w I am very delighted with your English. Like there's no problem at all. And super happy to uh, to see have seen a glimpse of your husband in the background too. I have checked out a lot of videos and stuff about you. And I know he's not your dance partner, but so nice that you met through dancing. And uh, to kick off this interview, uh, as an iceberg, I just want to ask you right now, in your life, dancing has been a huge part of your life. Right now, after COVID, we as dancers have maybe stepped into uh, a new phase of our dance. In your dance journey right now, where would you say that you are? During the, the pandemic, there has been a lot of like talks uh, in the scene about cultural appropriation. And so... I would say maybe I am in the questioning, realization phase, uh, maybe acceptance as well a little bit. I've been dancing in the hop for, I think, about 20 years now. So that's that's a lot. 
And um, yeah, it's been a journey. I I learned, I guess, something that was a little bit far away from what the dance maybe used to be. And I think slowly I'm like starting to understand uh, a little bit what it is about. And so, yeah, it's a it's a journey. I don't know where I am because I don't I know where I'm coming from, but I don't know in the full circle exactly where I am in my in my journey. But uh, I think uh, rediscovering, questioning. And maybe trying to accept myself is, I think, where where I am. I don't know if that really answers your question. Maybe it's yeah. a little out there, but that's where I am. No, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, we face this subject in a lot of dance styles, especially because a lot of dance styles are Black or Latino created. Um, so since I come from hip hop and I also dance Kizomba, which is an African style, we deal with this subject of cultural appropriation too. So it's interesting that you bring it up because it just means that we have filtrated it in a lot of different areas of the dancing, global dancing body around the world. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just high time that we talk about it and we see where we are and as artists, what we can do in order to give back to the creators, but also to highlight the history in the right way and stuff. So I think it's a learning moment for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's always a learning moment, but I think now is a learning moment in a different way, I would say. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned exactly that you have been dancing this style for over 20 years. Mm. I can't even imagine uh, what it must feel like to have so much invested into that I mean as as a dancer myself I know what it means but I've been switching a lot of styles too just so we know what we're talking about Lindy hop (laughs) is one word then we have swing is another word and then we have solo jazz as another word uh for people who doesn't know anything about this me included how would you describe these different terminologies uh, around your dancing so swing is a type of music. It's a type of jazz music that has a specific uh, feel, a specific uh, beat that swings. So on swing music, you can do all sorts of swing dance. Uh, Lindy Hop is a partner dance. Solo jazz or ver- vernacular jazz is a, well, it's, a, it's the breakaway of the dance. It's the moment where you dance alone. Balboa is a close position swing dance. Uh, what else? What other names do you have? I think those were the three, no? Yeah, and Lindy Hop, I don't really know where it comes from. Like, does it, the actual word have a history too? Yeah, a little bit. So, uh, yeah, apparently it used to be called the Hop before. And it, it comes from Harlem uh, in the 30s, like, or like late 20s. And it used to be called the Hop. And then eventually, I think it was like, I think it was... Uh, Shorty George Snowden that was interviewed and said he was doing the Lindy Hop because he was just, I think, doing his own thing, his own footwork. And it was because Charles Lindbergh hopped the Atlantic. And so everybody was calling things uh, Lindbergh something. And so I think that's how the name Lindy Hop came about. But it's a dance that comes from, from jazz and tap dancing. And so kind of existed and then finally got a name. But uh, it was there before the name got there. 
Right. Like a lot of styles, right? It's just something people do. And then suddenly people are like, what's the name? Same thing with hip hop. So ah. it's the hip to the hop. And it, it came more as like from a song. And then people are like, yeah, that hip hop thing. And they refer to the song. And then, yeah, it has also evolved throughout the years. But wow, I didn't yeah, know. yeah. So when Lindy Hop came about and the swing music uh, era was was a thing, uh, if I understood it correctly, it was a bit of a revolutionary dance. Not a lot of people, maybe in the society, accepted it at first. Or how did it? How was the feeling around the style when it came about? I mean, I'm gonna put a disclaimer saying that I've been dancing for. Uh, 20 years but history has always been like uh, not my strength uh, in life in general so like that's the area where I still have a lot of growing to do my understanding could be like super wrong is more that it was like an oppressed population of colored people that um, that found a way to to express their their suffering to the music that was happening at the time I don't know if it was I don't I don't have the impression that it was more like oh men and women mixing uh for sure I mean societies people evolve and uh I'm sure we are living in a lot less sexist time than back at the time but I think it was more revolutionary because because it was expressing I think inequality and it was like trying to find freedom in a yeah in a society where you're oppressed mm. that's more why it was revolutionary i think yeah it's interesting how new york has just been so expressive with culture like we just see so many different dance styles from new york everything from yeah lindy hop but also hip-hop and voguing and there's just a lot of different styles coming out of it and it's such a melting pot and you started when you were 19 right yeah, I saw in an article about you that you before that did ballet, contemporary and jazz, mm -hmm. which you connected to more of like sad feelings. And when you mm -hmm. met Lindy Hop, it was like a surprise, like, oh, I can be happy. I can express happiness. Yeah, definitely. But I, I also recognize how now it's problematic, you know, like that's how Lindy Hop is seen. It's like it's a joyful dance, which it is, but it's like really convenient for a white person to take the the joy of the dance and not understand the suffering of the people who made mm. the dance, you know? So yes, maybe what I could sense was more the, the freedom of it, like coming from ballet and maybe the place where the goal is to look all exactly the same and be that thing. I think in jazz, what is celebrated is the differences and the individuality. So maybe that's what I could see that it was more freeing and that I didn't need to be like a certain way, but at the same time, yeah, the dance is more than that. So like, I, it's that, but I cringe a little bit because I'm like, yeah, that's, that's definitely a white person, like being insensitive to the cultural, like context where the dance was created. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I look back at my own dance journey and I think about the same things and uh, how I got you know, hooked on hip hop because it was cool <laughs> and it was seen in a lot of music videos and, you know, yeah, the background dancers on MTV were doing it and this, the movies were portraying it, but they, it, they weren't really telling the whole story about yeah. 
about Bronx and Queens and what's was happening there and how, yeah, just everything from buildings being burnt down to get insurance money instead of having actually housing people to live there. And it was just a lot of things going on. I mean, I also think that it's um, shining the light on a style in, in order for people to even know about it. It needs to be yes. something that hooks them first. And yes. then we can go on the journey of understanding where it comes from. But as uh, as white Europeans, yeah, that's where it, you start mostly. Yeah, it, it's true. And, and I try to keep that true, you know, to, I mean, I think people are going to stick or leave and maybe it's also independent of, of what you can bring. But if they... If they can like have a good time, they're gonna come back and maybe they'll they'll be more interested and and they'll dig more in and they'll learn and um, it is it is a nice time for sure. When you started, was there like a lot of classes and stuff where you grew up, or did you have to go to New York like quite quickly <laughs> in order to learn, or how did the learning journey look for you? <laughs> Um, so there were local classes and, uh, and, uh, that my best friend was like, Hey, you should try this thing. And so I tried it. I don't think that the dance what, that was being done at the time was, was really close to what Lindy Hop really was supposed to be, but that's how I started. And, um, and because I'd been dancing before, uh, like my entire life. I kind of learned on the go, so I didn't take, I'm so ashamed, I didn't really take a lot of classes. I I just like started sharing what I was figuring out, you know, like looking at clips and trying to figure out, but there were not so many because it was also the beginning of YouTube. So yeah, like I just found and did my own journey through exploration. And then um, it's interesting because like, Lindy Hop is so, is such a complex, rich dance that after 20 years, I'm still not bored. It's like really magical. But I think also because of that, it was impossible for me, I think at the time to look at the clips and understand what was going on. You know, it's yeah. just like way too rich rhythmically, uh, dancing with somebody. Like it was just like a lot going on. So yeah, I just took six months of classes and yeah, started just practicing more and sharing what I knew and then just kind of like figured it out a little bit on my own and then kind of look back as like what else is out there. I kind of learned social dancing, which is ironic because like, yeah, I learned doing it and then I'm teaching people how to do it. But I think that the best way to learn is just to like do it and not really I mean, classes help, but I think like just going out and dancing is gonna is going a long way. I don't know yeah. if I'm making sense. No, for sure. I I also look back. I I kind of constantly look back at my own journey when you're talking, and I think like, yeah, how did I start with couple dancing? Well, I remember going to Mexico, and I was so ashamed because I was a dancer who didn't know how to dance with anyone because mm -hmm. over there people were just dancing, and I didn't know how to follow whatsoever because I came from hip hop. So mm -hmm. I went home completely ashamed and like went out to the nearest salsa club and was like, hi, I'm a beginner. Do you want to dance with me? You know, it was just like feeling so bad about having to start from square one again. And that's but also... It, 
it's never really square one. I think like for me, I think I, I learned how to follow and how to partner dance. I think before I almost learned how to dance, you know, like it took me way too many years to understand how rhythm was like essential to the dance. And yeah, I should have gone to New York and tried to find the old timers. I was not even aware of that. You know, it's how, how sad it is. It's just, now I'm like, oh, I wasted precious years too little, too late. You know, it's just like, I mean, it's my journey. I can't really change it. I can't change the future. I can change the past. And maybe it would have been different. Connect you know, physically with people. And, um, and that's one of, I think, my strength as a dancer is I can, I think, really make it comfortable dancing with a lot of people. But uh, rhythmically, it was a, a challenge. I had to, yeah, really uh, get out of my comfort zone to uh, try to attack the essential, an essential part of the Lindy Hop that I was missing. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess that's a part of the journey as well. Like if we see dancing as maybe religion is the wrong word, but it's a lifestyle, right? We chose dancing as a lifestyle. Hopefully we get to do it our whole life and we're going to constantly have to relearn, learn again, do different things in order to nurture that passion of ours. So yeah, we're just always going to be students, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You, yeah, I just, am excited about that though. I really like learning. So yeah. I'm really happy that I feel like I still don't know shit. Uh, because I think that's what keeps me going. I want to, I just want to keep on learning and, and sharing with my friends. So yeah, it's good that it's, that there's always room to grow. Yeah, for sure. I, I taught straight for 15 years and, uh, at some point I was just like, I want to become a student again. I don't want to teach regular anymore. And I have, I haven't done it for now for three years I teach workshops I do my things but just because I I had to like reset and realizing that I'm just I'm just teaching things that I think I know and then I don't fill up my own cup kind of thing so I guess it's it's a balance and it's a journey uh sometimes we just give more as teachers and sometimes we're gonna have to take back the student hat and um I know that you were studying architecture for a while and that made you move to Berlin. Was it there that you kind of got into it even more? Was it bigger there than it was in France or how, how did it take off for you moving to Germany? Germany, I, I mean, Germany didn't really help. It was uh, at the time where I went, it was a bunch of people just like liking the vintage look but not, I think, getting the dance at all. So it was just, like, really unappealing. So I actually didn't, I don't think I really danced much, but because my boyfriend at the time was a dancer and he was in France, we would meet and and we would, like, teach and dance together. And I guess that's how I started traveling. It was an occasion to, like, meet and dance and kind of get out of Berlin. Um, yeah, at the time there was not much, I mean, there was stuff going on, but it was not my cup of tea, I guess. I know only from our side of the dancing scene, there's a lot of festivals around in Europe and in the world. Is this 
is this where you kind of also started when you started going back to France? Was that when you also started traveling to all these other festivals with swing? Yeah, yeah I think I started traveling to workshops. And I think it was kind of like the at the beginning, I don't know if there were as many, uh, but I, I started teaching in workshops. And then I think I finished my studies and it was the crisis you know the 2008 like crisis where there was no job and uh because there was no job in architecture and i had more offers in dances i finally had the courage to admit to myself like yeah i'd rather good you know do dancing but i think before that i didn't really i was too scared to fail so i didn't really want to take that leap of faith but since i didn't have other options really I mean I could have done architecture I think if I really wanted but it was convenient to be like well maybe it's a good time to just try to dance now mm. you know and so yeah I started going to to uh workshops as a teacher and every like and money I would get as a teacher I would reinvest in myself to go to workshops mm. that's beautiful and how do you like as a teacher did you have to compete a lot to become a teacher or was like the competitions something you started with afterwards or how 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 is that is there a lot of competitions in Lindy Hop I have no idea yeah there are a lot of competitions I think it's I started at a time where I think things were a little bit different so I think now uh, people do a lot of competitions I think to be seen and to like get their name out there and maybe like get gigs but I don't know I think it's not because you're a good competitor that you're a good teacher or a good social dancer so I think I think I I got jobs mainly because I was a social dancer that's because I'm I'm very competitive but I wouldn't say I'm good at competition because mm. um, I don't have a lot of self-confidence but I like to I like to push myself I think so I like having competitions and something to work for, but I, I don't like competing. I don't like feeling, I don't like dealing with my feelings <laughs> in competitions. So there's a lot of competitions now after pandemic. I don't know. We'll see now is a, it's a new, it's a new world, but yeah, I think I, I think I got gigs because I social dance, mm -hmm. but now I don't know how it is for people who are doing it you know, who are like up and coming now, I think it's a little bit harder. Yeah. Because you, I mean, you have taught for so many years, you've been traveling in so many countries as well, like 30 plus more countries mm -hmm. to teach as well. What have been some of your best moments or learning, learning moments in your years as traveling around? Yeah. I think learning about like other cultures is is really nice so the learning moments are more like you know like discovering new people and how they live and what they eat and I'm really grateful and and also a bit ashamed that I was given that chance uh, I think it's um, a, a privilege and um, and so I, I feel uh, guilty about that but at the same time I'm super grateful yeah, I I don't have like right now one moment in part in particular that pops up, you know, in my head. But I think it's just yeah, meeting meeting the people and 
and just, I don't know, just, I think one of the best thing that makes it worth it traveling is uh, being able to dance with, with different people all the time. Mm. I find that like super enriching. So I think maybe the people you meet, the cultures you're exposed to, and then the, the dancing bodies that you share experience with are really precious, I think. Yeah, because as a as a touring artist, um, you you get exposed a lot to traveling. It's sometimes you you go on a Thursday, you come home on Monday, you have a few days to wash your clothes, and then you're off again. How have you maintained all these years, just physically, mentally, emotionally, to keep on going? Social dancing is really is really bringing me energy. Last weekend, I was uh, in Poland. And um, I social danced till I like broke my body almost because the the better band was starting at 1 a.m. And I was teaching like 10 hours in two days, but and also judging and doing level check and all that. But I just really needed to social dance. And it just it feels (laughs) so good, you know, to just move to the music and share that with somebody that for me, that's. That's how I kept on going. A lot of people, I think, get uh, really burnt out because I think it's hard to be uprooted constantly and to be on the road and and I think to like give what you have and to you know sometimes like feel like you don't have time to feed yourself. But I feel like it's energy in you know and and it's exploration. It's fun, so that has really made it worth it for me. Yeah, and it's. As you say, like physically to dance so many hours, like, do you do anything on the side of it? Like train cardio or eat different just as like, because sometimes I feel like we don't really talk about dancers as the athletes, but mostly as like, oh, so nice to dance. Good for you. And then not really thinking like, oh, you know, other athletes that are doing 10 hours of classes plus social dancing until your body breaks, they have nutritious coaches, personal trainers, schedules, you know, and we don't really have that all the time. So yeah, I mean, I had a personal coach for a while. And then like with COVID, I didn't really have the money to keep that going. I think along the years, I learned to take better care of myself, like, you know, drink more water, stretch a little bit, uh, maybe not drink too much. I'm not super organized, I think, in life, and so that's that's that would be too much too much stretch, uh, stress. Sorry, I just try to you know go to the physio every now and then and uh, and try to listen to my body. But um, it is intense, and and I think by doing it, you maintain a good cardio. But I also would rather use my cardio like to dance. Like I, I have ran a little bit during the pandemic because. I needed to do something, but I don't actually enjoy running that much. I just like how it feels after I run. But if I have the choice between dancing and running, I'd rather like dance like solo jazz super fast. And then you get a really good workout. Um, and that's a lot more satisfying than going on a run. Yeah, because it's not every day also you want to even show up to that dance. You also posted like a, a, a post on your Instagram the other day, like, yeah, today I didn't really feel good, but I'm so proud of myself for actually showing up uh, and and putting in my my little my training. What are you telling yourself, or how are you mentally 
motivating yourself to go on the days you just want to be home? I mean, I know I really, I know I really like to dance all the time. I think what is hard is, I think seating was like you're gonna have you're gonna have good practices and bad practices. The more you practice, the less it matters if they're shitty because there will be another one tomorrow. Uh, but I think it's uh, it's been hard. I think being isolated during the COVID, and so I need the creative outlet, and I need to I need to dance. Like it's a, it's it's a need. Uh, but when you're isolated, so it it doesn't make as much sense. You know, to it, I think it's a dance that is meant to be shared. So it's been hard during the pandemic to just feel like I still want to dance, but I don't really have a lot of people to uh, share it with. And I think it's more, for me, it's more like a mental challenge of like, and that's why I said like this year where I am in, in my journey is I think I'm starting to accept myself. Like, you know, like in the back of my head, I, I want to be the best. I want to be perfect. And, but this dance is not about that. And I, I just need to accept myself. So I think that's the harder part is not going it's going into the studio, but it's more the mental battle of like facing yourself and uh, and dealing with all your insecurities and all the. It's just the, the mental block that that you can put in front of yourself. But I feel that regularity really helps. Uh, the more I do it, the less I I care. Like I sometimes it it sucks and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. You said also uh, that once you got. And an advice from someone that if you want to become a better dancer, you yeah. have to become a better person. Yeah, Ramona. And like we talk about it, we we've touched on like cultural appropriation, insecurities, and all of this. And I wonder in this journey where you are right now, is this kind of coming together of like you becoming a better person? And so that's your way forward to become a better dancer. I think it's it has more to do maybe with being a new mom. You know, I think it puts things in perspective and uh, your baby is the most important thing in the world. So it puts the rest like into perspective. And I love dancing so much, but I think I'm kind of glad I have a baby to balance that love because sometimes it's it's too much. Like it happens to me quite regularly that I'm like, I need to stop dancing. I just need to... I just need to like do a job where I'm not emotionally like uh, involved, you know, where I can just <laughs> be at peace with my emotions. But I think, I think my <laughs> my emotions would probably still f- like find a way to latch on to whatever. Maybe I just need to to keep on dancing. But I think, yeah, the balance of being a a mom, I think, helps and also. I, I think what I realize is with the with the pandemic and I think, you know, the online stuff, I think people are sometimes a bit intolerant and like a little bit of compassion, of empathy. And um and I don't know, I think it I just got a little bit more aware of it. And so I'm trying to to not be too judgmental of other people and of myself and to just like just take a chill pill. And I think having a kid, like, it kind of, like, gives you a chill pill. Yeah. I mean, it's not about you anymore. <laughs> exactly. And, that's, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I, uh, I read in an article 2017 that you were not even sure that, you know, kids 
happen or not happen because we, as dancers, it's just such a big change for us. And maybe um, we don't have a lot of examples around us where parenthood and the keep on dancing part works. What made you get over your fear and actually decide to, to, to build a family? I think the fear of regretting it was bigger than the fear of doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And as a female, I, because I'm not a mom yet, and um, I have also hesitated a long time of like, what are the changes going to be in, in my body? And will I ever be the same? And what am I risking? And all of this. So what have been, have there been any like physical changes with you that, that has improved or not improved your dance or how, how was that journey for you becoming a mom? Well, when I was pregnant, I think I didn't have the, the PMS. So I think I was happier. I didn't have that like drop of hormones before I get my period where, where I think like life doesn't make sense anymore. So that was great. Um, my dancing had a nicer bounce when I was like pregnant because I was a little bit heavier, but I couldn't really twist because like, yeah, you can't really twist when you have a big belly. So that was a little bit weird. And then after I gave birth, I had a C-section. So I think it's not too bad to restart, but I restarted with tap dancing because I just control, could control my my movement. And it was like more about doing exercise and finding balance and your core again. And then uh, maybe three months after that, I restarted moving. My body had a really weird normal mom shape afterwards you're just kind of like you're just a little different but uh i th i think now things are kind of back to normal my my belly is a little bit softer but that's okay mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know things happen and i have a, a nice baby so it's worth it and it's also it, you know i think i did the baby at the right time it was the the pandemic there was nothing going on so i think it was easier to not have FOMO. Uh, but now I'm thinking of maybe having a second one because, because I just love him so much. I want another one. <laughs> it's probably not, it's not a rational choice and I'm not really looking forward to like having all the body changes again, especially, you know, having done ballet, I think you, you get quite traumatized with your body. Like when I was a kid, they were weighing me like every week and I was always too fat and uh, so I was a little bit traumatized and so I've always had a little bit of um I was gonna say love hate relationship but more hate hate relationship with my body and so um I think as a as a woman we get so judged on our bodies that it's just it's just hard like you know that chubbier people are gonna notice and uh as much as I want to say fuck it I don't care like you know you're like yeah I know But I guess if you keep on, if you go back to dancing, your body just goes back to your dancer body. So that's okay. Yeah. And it's, I guess, also about diversity within the scene and being relatable too. Like if you don't show up back in the Lindy Hop scene, there we go again. And nobody thinks that any other bodies than what they've seen before is normal. Yeah. So maybe that is one of your your missions is to represent for the mommies out there and uh and and just being yeah just a representative that it's okay to come back after giving birth and you know it's completely fine and your body will just be 
more happy of getting back to dancing again. Yeah, no, it, it feels nice to dance again. Like last weekend, I just, I really felt like I remember why I dance again. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I got this like really, oh, good vibrations of dancing. <laughs> right. And it's almost like we got a new appreciation level for the dancing after we came back from the pandemic. It's like, oh, it just hits me that like the magic of, meeting people you don't even have to speak the same language with and we just speak that one language and it's the expression of the music and now you mentioned before that there's bands playing mm -hmm. in your socials so this is something new we only have djs okay so oh wow what, like is it is it always live bands not always but like in workshops in like medium i mean smaller and up there are bands like sometimes local workshops don't have bands but um but yeah it's it's part of the culture so it's kind of interesting because like we have we're dancing to live music but a lot of the a lot of the the songs are they're vintage song you know very few of them are just like new recordings some of them are but at the same time the the old songs are just so nice that you want to pay homage to that and at the same time it's going to be about how the musicians play a new version of that song you know and sometimes they can uh, surprise you and it's really it's a different feel to dance to live music it's yeah you you, you there's a different connection you know you hear you see you see the interaction like in be like between the musicians The, like the better musicians are inspired by the dancers and vice versa. It's, it's yeah, it's a big part of it. Mm, that's so interesting. So I can just relate it to like when we have, for example, Kizomba festivals, it's always on the flyers, like the artists and the DJs. But I mm -hmm. guess then you have the which bands are going to play. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, because like your DJs in a way, they, they make the music uh, alive as well. You know, yeah. they just like mix it up, like create a vibe, surprises. So it's it's the same thing. It's just different tools, but it's the same idea. And so like when I think about band, I think about long songs. Like mm -hmm. it, it, we we usually just dance like two, three minutes, and then like it mixes over to another song. And then you can keep on dancing with the same partner. In Kizomba, you usually dance two or three dances. Oh, you guys have that. And then we switch. And if you don't feel like you want to stay with someone longer, that's also, there's nobody who's going to look weird. I know in Tango, they have like four songs and then they have like a chill song in between. You switch partners. How is it in Lindy Hop? Do you also have like these unwritten rules? I, I don't think so. Uh, like, I think the Swedes, uh, I think, had that rule of, like, two songs, I think, a few years back. I don't have rules. Like, <laughs> if I feel like dancing, I dance. If I don't feel like dancing, I don't dance, you know? If I really like the dance, then I'll keep on asking until I feel like the person is probably sick of me. <laughs> uh, but the songs are not actually that long. Uh, they're usually, like three minute songs and so after three minutes you can leave it if it was like not your jam or you can uh, ask again but it doesn't like 
fade into the next song. So it's a little bit more obvious that you say thank you and then you assess the the situation. Yeah, you like talk a little bit and then it's like, thank you, see you later or another one. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) There's that moment of like, huh? (laughs) Yeah, because the band needs to, like they go quiet because it's the end of the song and then they start playing again. Yeah, they have to figure out what's the next song they're going to play. Sometimes they... They have a list, you know, like a, a set that they've prepared, and sometimes they just kind of decide on the go. Wow, it's 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 so interesting to just get this little window into your world. And I also saw on one of your posts that, like, oh yeah, this performance was probably like three or four a.m., but the party was going, so we we kept on going. And I'm just like. Who performs at this hour though? Like this is not a normal performance hour. <laughs> no, that was definitely not a, a normal performance hour. And I think it would probably mostly be like, you know, unacceptable, but it was in Bulgaria. The organizers, you know, are my friends and I think they're they were running late. And so like, you know, we we did it. I think if we would have all known it would have been so late, maybe we would have uh, planned differently. But yeah, we did. We we did it. The only thing is, like, when you have a performance that's late, and it's a and it's a choreography, like you don't want to exhaust yourself too much. You don't want to drink too much, and you still have to be kind of like responsible. So in a way, it kind of ruins a little bit the party because you can't party too hard it feels like you're a little bit in the work mode like you have to be responsible so um i don't like when performances are too late because i, I stress out for too long yeah you know, I just want to be done with it and celebrate yeah exactly and okay so here comes some another a few technical questions so how long are these parties exactly because oh if we have festivals like it would be a disgrace to stop the party like earlier than 5 a.m. if it's like a big festival. Yeah, we are, they call us the Kizombies. Uh, that's like after three, you kind of just go down in tempo and energy level, but people still want to dance. Yeah. Like in Salsa Bachata, there's usually like 3 a.m. and then people are like done. Lindy Hop looks so hardcore when it comes to stamina because you guys are jumping. All the time. Yeah. Do you have like classes in Kizombas and you dance until 5 a.m.? Well, we we do have classes, but usually those are like in a festival over a weekend. The classes are in the daytime. Then people go home and sleep or they go to a day social and then they go home and sleep at like around seven. And then they go to the party again around 10 and they just keep on going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it it depends. I think I would say it depends on the festival, on how big it is. Some festivals go until like really late. It depends on how early the the classes are. Like so, two weeks ago I was in Switzerland, and I think I I was like kicked out of the ballroom. I think on most nights, like I finished until the end because I really wanted to dance. <laughs> and last weekend. I think I left around four or five, but sometimes, you know, depending on the countries, like the parties will finish more, they will die at at two. I would say usually what makes uh, the party finish is when the band is over Yeah, and you have a DJ set. Yeah. And so you can then dance to the DJ set, but all DJs are not like DJs, they're press play DJ. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So once it's the DJ, unless it's a DJ that really has your 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 style of music that you like, or unless you're a new dancer, uh, it's it feels nicer to dance to live music. I also want to get into like the style, the aesthetics of of Lindy Hop. It feels like the vintage style, as you mentioned, is something that a lot of people get attracted to. But like, is it like, and does everyone dress vintage to your parties, or and like have their old school shoes? And like, you know, I feel like I'm the newbie in this conversation. So much. I love it. I love it. Well, I think you know each each style as their like code and like so recently i think when i was in lyon there was no um they didn't have lindy hop party because like it was still kind of like covid unfriendly or whatever but they had a west coast swing party so i went to west coast swing party and there i was like everybody's wearing hug boots and crop tops you know so i was like trying to fit in and i just like took out my skirt and wore jean just so that i would look a little different you know people i would say people don't really dress vintage that much but it's kind of vintage inspired it's not a rule uh you know it's just i think people trying to belong mm-hmm. people want to belong in life so some people feel like if they were suspenders you know they're going to be recognized as a lindy hopper and it's a little bit problematic i think in the scene like uh, my partner remy hates that you know because <laughs> Because I think because it's a little bit of a white scene, you know, for example, if I was like wearing like baggy pants and uh, show up to a hip hop dance or whatever, like it would be seen that I don't belong because I don't know the freaking dance, you know. But I think in Lindy Hop, sometimes we are very nice. And so people who, uh, who are not dancers and don't get it, that they don't get it just like put on the outfit of the Lindy Hopper mm. and they feel like they belong. So I I really like clothes and I like being inspired by vintage fashion, but I also recognize that it's a little bit problematic. But I think it happens in every dance. I don't know what's the style in Kizomba's, but probably long hair. Oh, you don't want to know the style in Kizomba. It's uh, it's uh woo leggings and uh and high heels. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of women that are wearing completely jumpsuits and it's not my style, but it's a, it's a fashion thing uh, going on. And then um, the guys that are more into the traditional Kizomba, they would wear more suits and like the dancing shoes needs to be on point and like they kind of have to look stylish. So they would, they, you you would know like they could come in with like a flowery suit and uh, yeah, tight pants, shoes. Is, we also have a thing with baby powder. I don't know if that's something in your scene, but yeah, we we have like baby powder deluxe on all of our floors. Uh-huh. It's like very important for us that the floor is like smooth and uh, because we slide. Yeah, uh, not so much for us. I mean, you can slide, but sliding is a bit tricky. And if you dance to fast tempos, you need a little bit of grip. So I prefer to dance. I can dance in leather. Usually what I do is I prefer to dance in, in rubber shoes because like I get more grip and I can be a bit more like clear, you know, and a bit more, I don't know, sharp. And as the night goes on, I put on my like leather shoes and I can be a bit more sloppy, 
in my dancing and I, I can just slide through something instead of like do something too rhythmical. So yeah, uh, shoes are, yeah, are important. It's funny how we all have like our different like look. I have an outfit that probably would be really great for um, Kizomba. I have a, a gold overall. I think. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could definitely try. As I said, like the women mostly go like very tight clothes. Uh, there's a lot of crop tops going on as well. Yeah. But that's um, the thing. The crop tops are not very inclusive. That's what I noticed at the West Coast Swing Party. I really felt like. I mean, it mostly looks flat, but it also, my, my belly looks a little bit softer than before. And I felt like, oh, I couldn't like, the West Coast swing is not really inviting for mom bobs, mom bobs, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm going to tell that to my next West Coast swing interview. I've had one and I also asked about the pants because I was like, oh. they have like these, these pants that are a little bit flary in the bottom, yeah. but not really. And yeah. Who did you, who did you interview? Um, I interviewed the Cado Pires, Cado Pires in the Brazilian, uh, okay. but he's in a Brazilian souk and West Coast Swing in the States. Uh, okay. So both. Okay. Yeah. But all right. Well, thank you so much for being so patient with all my oh, <laughs> no, that was, questions. That was great. I thank you for being patient with me. Yeah, no worries. And like, I, I, I also want to just, kind of know what are some of your your dreams now coming up with Lindy Hop is it to to study the dance more go more to New York and meet like the old school cats or like what is your what is your dreams and hopes for your journey Lindy Hop coming forward you know I think I've always been really bad at projection like I I'm kind of like I I float and I see where the wind takes me a little bit, but I'm really hoping that my tap dancing like gets a little bit better. I mean, it won't happen on its own. I have to practice, but I, I really hope that I can, um, I think explore a little bit like tap dancing and, and a little bit of like vintage clip and try to create more around that. Cause, um, I think if you just like explore on your own outside of the history, then you might no longer be doing the dance. But if you just uh, reproduce the vintage stuff, then it's also not what the dance is supposed to be. You know, like you want it to be like something that's alive. So I think for me, it's about like kind of like rediscovering the basics and exploring around that to create your own voice, but within, but having the references that makes the style still like swing dancing. So that's what I'm hoping for myself. And I hope I, I get to know a little bit more like about the, the history of it. Like, and I get to like memorize more maybe so that I can do better as a, as a, as a teacher, you know, I can share the dance better and, and pass the knowledge better. Cause I've, I've, I haven't done so great at that I think yeah well I uh I can just tell you interviewing people is a great way you get it on video <laughs> you can look back at it it's a, it's a great method so maybe maybe that's maybe that's it maybe I I give you the the interview uh stick to move on with <laughs> in oh, your own scene that's really interesting yeah you know I feel like 
we are here to also learn from each other and no matter who you meet you always learn something new and I personally see it as myself as a little bit of a an opportunity to archive history uh, <laughs> because some of these dancers out there we don't know how long they're going to last or how long they're going to stay in the scene and yeah. you know uh, sometimes you get to capture a moment of history uh, from a person that maybe no longer will be with us in 10 years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully. And was it always easy for you to ask the questions? Definitely not. Definitely not. I started off as a battle host. So I was used to being on the competitions okay. live. So <laughs> it was not until COVID that I started calling up people because I was yeah. like, okay, I'm a host. How, what can I do? What's the best part with COVID? Well, every dancer in the whole wild world is home and unbooked. So great opportunity to just yeah. talk with everyone. So I started calling up people in Brazil and Indonesia and the States. And oh, I could Indonesia. suddenly... Wow. Yeah, yeah. They also have dancers there. So I wanted to uh, to just see how everyone was doing. And, and the more I talked with people, the more I realized we are so similar and we can learn so much from each other's styles and yeah we're actually just one big family but we don't have a lot of contact across yeah. our dance styles so yeah that's yeah. A, yeah it's a really good uh tip i think it's it feels a little bit though you know like uh like do i dare to like go and poke and be like all right i want to ask you questions but i think it's uh it's true it should be doable Right. And it's also, I guess, about we talked about staying that student like there is clearly things I have no idea about because of the environment I grew up in and because I don't have the same reality as these creators. And so uh, instead of me guessing or not asking at all, then maybe just asking is a start and uh, who knows what can come out of it. Maybe Alice May can just do a documentary series somewhere in Harlem. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows? It's true. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I really doubt myself, but but I I like. I think I think it's a great idea. I'm like, yeah, like you just have to ask the question. But asking questions, I I find that so hard that. Uh, It might it might be counterintuitive, but I I see it. It's cool. I think it's cool what you're oh, doing. Thank you. Well, I'm falling in love with it now. Like asking questions, right? Like it's a uh, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a bit uncomfortable sometimes, but it also gives me the answers. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like if I don't ask, I will never know. And if I just stay curious, and the more I ask, the more curious I become of different dance styles and. You also have a partner. It could be something you do together to leave for the afterworld and leave to your students and be like, you know, we can yeah. give you one reality, but you can also learn through this. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. That's super cool. So in the end of my interviews, I always have something I called fill in the blanks. Okay. And that is, wow. I start with a sentence and you end with a word or an end of a sentence of your choice. Okay. I apologize in advance. No, don't do it. You got this. You got this. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with, 
when I teach, I always try to give my students. OMG. <laughs> uh, I'm overthinking it. The first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> I guess it depends on the days. Something to work with. <laughs> nice. I will also add that one time in another article, you said that giving your students timing, rhythm, and movements. That was, was, that was my first thing with like rhythm. But then I was like, but I also want them to have like fun and to explore. So I went on to like an entire like conversation in my head. I couldn't just fill the blank <laughs> simply because I, you know, it's, it's like, it's a big question. It's a big question. Let's try another one then. We, <laughs> we have a few more. So when I step on the social dance floor, my biggest feeling is? Mm, excitement. Boom. When I'm going to go on a performance stage, I always try to tell myself, don't piss your pants. <laughs> Very honest answer. Nice. Love it. When I judge a competition, I try to look for feelings, groove, individuality. Mm. And if it's one thing I would love to see more of within the Lindy Hop scene, it would be. I don't know why I'm thinking kindness, but I think it's because of the moment. But I think I want to say more raw energy. That makes sense. More, more life. Yeah. Nice. And if people out there want to find me on social media or on the internet, they can always look for. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, like I'm on Instagram. I think I'm Alice Me May. I think that's my uh, name on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm also on Facebook, but not as much. Uh, and, and YouTube. And YouTube. I'm on YouTube, but I don't. I don't really have. I mean, I I made a tiny channel during the pandemic, but I I just have a collection of videos but I don't have my own channel you know I'm not super organized that's okay uh for the people out there who want to check you out there's many views uh, on your <laughs> videos there are like thousands of views on your videos and there's many of them even not from your channel so I would recommend people to go out there and fish for it because I have had a delighted time watching your videos Thank you. But also Google other people. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel so I, I'm honored that you have me and I feel like it's okay. I've been doing it for a while, but I also feel like, oh, I'm a white person, uh, you know, like, and I, so I feel like as honored as I am, I also feel like, like I want to push people to just look as well somewhere else. That's okay. What are some names you think that we should look for out there? Okay, if you don't know anything about Lindy Hop, I think looking up um, the Whitey's Lindy Hoppers would be really nice. Uh, they, are they were original dancers. Will Meriker, Frankie Manning, Norma Miller, Almin and Leon James. Um, I don't know. There are so many. But yeah, I think maybe I would start there. And then if you look at modern stuff, it will be, I guess, more 
understanding for the modern stuff the a big name is like sky and frida uh frida is swedish really amazing but it's a more modern approach but i would say everybody would agree that they're top yeah i mean i would i would start there yeah that's great names thank you so much for sharing i'm definitely gonna check them out and who knows maybe i can catch an interview with one of these people as well cool nice thank you so so much for your time Alice May, give it up one more time. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Thank you so much. Don't forget to click subscribe, comment below, and give us a rating or review. We have a Facebook page, YouTube page, and we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and all the other podcast platforms. We also have an Instagram, so don't forget to tag us in your favorite episode and share it with the world because we read all of it. Thank you.